everyone and welcome to Blacksiders, the no-holds-barred conversation on news and current affairs that we feel like talking about. I'm Peter McGillivray. And I'm Gemma McKinnon. Gem, tell me what's been going on. Oh, is anybody else overhearing about Taylor Swift? Absolutely. I right. just, um, I feel like you cannot open your phone you can't talk to anybody. I went to a donut shop yesterday. Love the donuts at this donut shop. But they had a Tay-Tay Blondie donut and it had a little, um, you know, candy necklace on it. But it was like a candy bracelet on top of the, atop the donut. It's just a bit over the top Ugh. and it's driving me a bit nuts. When she went to... That restaurant in Surrey Hills, that it was on every tile in my Instagram. So I'm just a bit over. Whoever thought that Gemma McKinnon would say that? Well, I, th- I thought that you might have been over it a long, long time ago, actually, like two or three albums ago. But now there is such thing as overexposed, and Taylor's it's just it. the. I was listening to the radio a couple of days ago, and. Uh, I think one of the shows had a Taylor free zone. They declared it a Taylor free day. Um, But then the next, you know, the hour clicked over and suddenly they're talking about the capacity of the toilets at the stadiums that she's playing at. Like I just, this, yeah, the the fair, I feel like we're in Beatlemania. Mm. I feel like this was what Beatlemania was like. I think the tides might be turning a bit on Taylor, particularly with the jet, the private jet and the fuel consumption and the, you know, definitely not doesn't have a carbon credit scheme set up, I wouldn't <laughs> think. She might be planting a lot of trees somewhere. You never know. I doubt it. <laughs> I really want to give our listeners the update that I drove all the way to Walgett and back. So, as you know, I've, d- I've talked about the fact that I'm a newly licensed driver. Yay. I got licensed in August last year and did a big drive out, which was really great. Um, absolutely terrifying on some bits of the drive, but also super proud of myself. So it's, that's been great. It's how I learned to drive, driving on those long stretches of road in far western New South Wales. It's the best drive. Can you I just – but I don't know if people really understand what far western New South Wales means when you say that drive. I mean, Broken Driving Hill. Driving from Broken Hill to Sydney, yeah. Um, it's a good drive. Yeah. No, I don't think, like, enough people have done it. It's it's incredibly um, beautiful. Yeah. And there is something about the different type of conversation that you can have with somebody when you're side by side. When you're not really kind of looking at each other and you're just looking out at the road, you know, you can really get vulnerable in that type of setting. We've had some very profound conversations. We had a very serious conversation about religion, I think, at one point. Nobody ever talks about that. And those types of things that you learn about somebody where you're just like, wow, it's been 20 years and I'm learning something new here. Road trips. Yes. And I appreciate you dropping by on the way through. You're welcome. Get a little... Coffee and a muffin. How did you like the muffin? The muffin was delicious. 
Gemma made these beautiful muffins and I got to eat one and it was, yeah, you're after, a baker. After renting and not having a working oven for 12 months, I'm really leaning into having an, a working oven now. Well, that's, that will be my driving routine as I do my work trips. I'll be stopping into the mountains on the way out, on the way back and getting the benefit of mm. your delicious baking. For Gemma's drive-through espresso. Gemma's drive-through <laughs> espresso. One of the things that, um, well, our big topic for discussion tonight is actually cost of living. This is something which is very much all across the country, all across the community, people are grappling with the cost of living. We've been talking about it for a while privately, but it is something that, particularly given the Four Corners uh, episode last Monday night, um, it deserves a bit of our attention. So what I thought we would do is just kind of start by talking about our own personal experiences of this current cost of living crisis. Jem, how is this impacting you? It's impacting me hugely, which I want to, you know, say from the beginning of this conversation, I am not a uh, a poor person. Like I do not, you know, I wouldn't con- I consider that I'm a, on a very uh, – reasonable salary should not be the type of person um, and previously, you know, have have been considered myself very lucky to afford luxuries and, and that sort of thing. But I have witnessed over the last four years my weekly grocery bill literally doubling and actually seeing items. So I do my shopping online all the time. We'll come back for that. Um, but literally seeing items week to week go up by a dollar a kilo or um and and it is having a it is having an impact um on on you know our ability to cover costs but also you know on 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 sort of planning for the future and those sorts of things and that's been a big impact on me generally is, you know, I've always wanted to be a homeowner. I've been a tenant advocate since I was 19 years old and sort of worked in tenancy law and housing law and because of that know way too much about um, the issues that are is our tenancy legislation in this state and so have just desperately wanted to have the security of owning my home Um and that has taken way, way longer than it should have because I live in Sydney and, yeah, so that that's me. I mean, I have lots of complaints about this situation, but I do think that if somebody, you know, were a double-income household with, you know, university-educated people on, on, on comfortable salaries, that if I feel like I'm feeling the pinch, then you can't help but think about, the people who aren't in as lucky a situation as I am. Absolutely. I feel the same way in the sense that I am a person that doesn't have dependents. Um, I have a really good job that pays very well. So I don't think that I'm the person, I don't have a mortgage or any type of significant debt. So I'm not the person who's necessarily feeling this in the same way as, you know, parents or working parents with kids who are not in kind of, you know, $120,000 a year jobs. At the same time, there are things that, you know, you decide 
that are just kind of a bit beyond what you normally d- would spend money on, those kind of luxuries um, that you just think, oh, we'll, we'll let that go, particularly when it comes to going out and enjoying hospitality, you know, venues and events and things like that. But we'll get to that in a minute. One of the things that <laughs> in terms of personal examples of, you know, the, the cost of living, the cosy lives pinch, um, are there things that are for you as a working mum with kids that are all primary school aged or early high school aged that really is just like, oh my gosh, this is so expensive? So uh, actually one thing I bought this week that especially when you have kids that start school and it may have been a little while since you were in school and so you think, how much can a pie from the canteen cost or, you know, you think back to the, your um, 1995 pricing. I bought a recorder this week and I was, I'm pretty certain that when I was a kid, a recorder cost $6 and I paid like $25 for a recorder. Wow. <laughs> For something that makes so much noise and is yeah, that's the thing. No parent wants to buy a recorder. (laughs) It's a it's a purchase that I feel really unhappy about having to make and then having to fork out twenty five dollars for it. Not impressed. Also, when you have teenage boys, I think teenage any teenagers really, you start to be the mum that gets really cranky about them eating the school snacks on non school days. No more snacks for you. You've eaten them all. And, yeah, you know, I'm still, I'm, you know, I'm still buying the Carmen's muesli bars. Like, <laughs> Oh, you haven't even downgraded to black and gold muesli bars yet. Well, I haven't even gone down to Uncle Toby's yet. Um, my kids are very spoiled. But, you know, I just wish they'd stop eating them. I do the shopping too, stupidly, on Friday night to be delivered on, delivered on Saturday morning. Oh, that'll um, do it. That's the only time that I have time to do the grocery shopping, but it does mean that I have to survive a weekend um, of them not eating the snacks and by the end of the week, they're very cranky. Well, we are going to talk about the Four Corners episode and the revelations from the show about the price gouging tactics that are alleged by Woolworths and Coles. But before that... One little yarn that I have about trying to save money um, is my partner and I were collecting cans. So from our kind of, you know, well, my Coke Zero, his craft beers for about a couple of months. And we took them down to the return and earn station down at <laughs> Sydney Park. And we were like putting the cans in and we're like, we're going to, how much money are we going to get back for this? To yeah. about $12. But guess where we had to use the voucher? At Woolworths. Woolworths. Yes. So we couldn't even, I think we even got like a full, we couldn't even pay for a block of cheese with that budget. <laughs> also that was like that. the, I've done it once. I like, I feel bad. I've done it once. And just putting the cans in one by one, I was like, this is not <laughs> 10 cents, 10 cents. When if it's a tiny bit dented, it won't take it. Um, yeah. Some craft beers we've found don't have the 10 cent uh, uh, return and earn stamp on them and you don't get 10 cents for them. And I'm not even, I'm not sure that that's, that's allowed actually, but let's find out. Bougie life problems. Bougie life <laughs> problems. Well, you know, you, I won't go into that. <laughs> Also, housing. So I guess you've got a mortgage. I've 
I've really benefited from share housing these last few years. After I got divorced and um, had to go and find somewhere else to live, I was taken in by a family. Shout out to my adopted family, <laughs> Lauren and Javier and Kaya. And that really helped me kind of get back on my feet in terms of the financial costs of housing. So that's been really lucky. But I guess one of the other elements here this cost of living crisis is the fact that it's happening at the same time as a housing crisis or a lack of housing stock. It, it's all really adding up. That's right. And if you have, find yourself in the position that I think a lot of people find themselves in where they're having to pay exorbitant rents and maybe as a result of that can't really afford to do much else, Finding yourself in that situation where you're having to choose between paying rent or paying bills or paying rent. I mean, and not, you know, speaking of bills, also electricity and gas prices, absolutely insane. And what I find really frustrating, particularly on the housing front about things, is that the discussions that the government is having, the discussions that are being had in the media are about increasing supply which, and I won't go into whether or not I, I agree that supply is the answer to our housing crisis. Spoiler alert, I don't. But that's not helping us now. So in the meantime, while people are having to live out of their cars or, you know, even worse, move back in with their parents, that was a joke, just to be clear. I, I feel like there's no one even really contemplating doing something to actually change the situation for the people who are yeah. in need right now. Absolutely. And it's getting more and more obvious. Even just a couple of days ago, the, I saw a woman my age. She definitely looked my age living out of her car in my neighbourhood. And I just think that we're going to see more and more. And in, in St Peter's as yeah, well. Yeah, we had at least three people living in vans. Um, you know, if you live somewhere near a park that has a publicly accessible toilet, um, you know, it's a great place for people to be able to access running water and facilities. But it's just, it's an unacceptable thing to be happening in this country. I think we've also seen media coverage of entire families living in tents in parks and um, and if, if we kind of accept this as the standard, the way that we um, think that people in this country should live, and instead of talking about, you know, construction and property investors and mid-medium-density housing um, that might get built in five years' time, what, what happens in that, in that five to ten years? years to, to the people that are living in those cars. I just think it's, yeah, it, it, it is a crisis. Absolutely. So moving on to the Four Corners episode, um, just want to talk briefly about, you know, you can't really look at that and not think about your own grocery shop and how one goes out and shops for their essentials or things that they need. But I'm really interested in the changing uh, shopping habits in terms of households and families and how they shop. And it reminds me, one of my main change in shopping habits in this kind of more expensive time that we live in, like exorbitantly expensive, is I don't do a big shop anymore. I just go every couple of days and buy the few little things that I need. Lots of people shop like that generally, but it does remind me of when I was little and that's how my dad would shop when you have to kind of 
make it scrape through between pay cycles. So you kind of get to the halfway through the pay cycle and you've got a week left and you just kind of start to mm. just shop little things that you need, the bread, the bananas, the wheat bix the milk. Um, I feel like that's how I've I've adopted those shopping practices. And I imagine actually that over time that becomes more expensive. Like I've, you know, in, in my time um, as a week, you know, paycheck to paycheck kind of person have definitely um, witnessed that being poor is very expensive because the things that you have to do, like the shopping little bit by little bit, um, like, you know, driving my car instead of catching a train because I didn't have enough money for the train, but I had money in, uh, you know, but I had petrol in the car. Those sorts of things, even, you know, now I'm, uh, you know, I feel thankful to be the person that can pay things annually yeah. and make that or saving, buy in bulk. right? Or to be able to, you know, service your car when it's supposed to be serviced instead of what I used to do, which was just drive the car until it absolutely died and then give it to a scrap metal place. Like that's yeah. how I, yeah. you know, um, that's a very expensive habit. And having to buy those gas guzzler Gus, Gus, cheap cars is very expensive. But that is the life of somebody who doesn't have the luxury of having that stable, um, you know, sufficient income. It's it's really fr- it's a really frustrating. Well, I've heard some people refer to it as the poverty tax. It's this extra amount of money that you have to pay when you live in a state of poverty, mm. as opposed to that you know what most people would you know frivolously describe themselves as poor when what they actually are is broke. And I've heard you kind of use that as an example before. It frustrates the hell out of me. Spending <laughs> spending all your money and then not having any. When this isn't a financial counseling show, but um, <laughs> please do not come to us for financial. <laughs> do counseling. not take what we say as being financial advice. But it's true. Where it does become more expensive when you are just trying to pull together bits of money instead of being able to take advantage of things on special where they are sold in bigger amounts. And that's what I find so morally reprehensible about the tactics that are being alleged by Coles and Woolworths. And I'm saying alleged, but, you know, we're seeing more and more evidence of the of the tactic that they use where they are taking advantage of the sacred special where you go in and you say, okay, great, I'm going to be able to get this as a cheaper amount, which is going to save, I'm going to factor that into my household spend and now, but it's it's a it's a myth. It's a lie. It's fake. I rarely buy anything that is not on special. Um, that's how I decide what I'm going to eat that week. That's how I decide what the kids are going to eat that week. Um, so when I was watching the Four Corners episode and they started talking about the specials, I was like, oh my god, I'm such a mug. Like, <laughs> not that I I honestly don't think, didn't think, or don't feel like I'm saving a whole bunch of money. But I certainly think that if you're somebody who doesn't buy the specials, then it's it's like paying sticker price at the car dealership. Like you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed, you know, the real cost of what something is worth is only whatever people are willing to pay for it. And I think people are only willing to pay the special price. So as far as I'm concerned, that's kind of like, that's the regular price. Everything else is, um, is jacked up. But... Yeah, I, you know, I think um, 
watching the Four Corners episode really made me question my shopping habits, made me feel like I'm not really thinking about the broader impacts of the way that I shop. So I, like I said, I shop weekly. I spend a lot of money. I have a lot of reward points from my particular choice of big two. Um, And I shop online and watching that poor woman in the, you know, 30, whatever degree heat, having to run around and pick and pack the orders. I just felt absolutely horrid. The flip side of that, of course, is I'm like, well, what, as somebody who works full time, has five kids, has a, a husband with a disability, where where am I? What's my alternative? We do have a an Aldi. I'd really like to shop at Aldi, but I don't have the time to shop at Aldi. I know. Oh God, people are gonna text and be like, "Yes, you do." Just well, prioritize. Well, yeah, I guess it is. Stop a- having wine time and go to Aldi. <laughs> How dare you have a wine to wind down? <laughs> but I think that, you know, not to always carry on about millennials and what millennials do, but convenience is something that we as millennials have become very used to. And convenience can be a bit of a dirty word often um, and the backlash against those things. But it is true that if we're going to change behaviours around not giving into the bad tactics and the price gouging tactics and we need to we need to um, know what those alternatives are and make them more visible. I really miss the checkout. I feel like the checkout with which was the show on the ABC really oh, I thought you meant like standing at the <laughs> checkout. <laughs> no. I was like what about it exactly? <laughs> I mean consumer Do you miss the anxiety of one, whether whether your card will go through. <laughs> <laughs> that is a cost of living uh, thing that I experience. No, that that show which helps people understand the tactics of big corporations that have control of the mm. food supply and food security and what they do. I just don't think that there's enough attention analysis um, that is given to these processes. And one of the things that I found really interesting about the Four Corners um, episode was the food security implications and the fact that it is the case that there are huge numbers of people in Australia who are completely dependent on um, these two options for buying food and that that's been allowed to happen because of, you know, well, for lots of reasons that we don't have to, time to go into today, but there needs to be some serious attention given to to this issue. Because we are, have found ourselves in a situation, right, where it's not just a matter of changing your habits as an individual, right, because what they have done has had a systemic impact on the way that our uh, food uh, industry correct works. So you can't just say, I'm not going to shop there anymore and instead I'm going to go to the farmer's market because if you think you're getting from the farmer's market the same amount of stuff from, you know, like it, it's, it's had such a deep um, and, you know, structural impact on the way that that this industry works, that it's not actually, it doesn't actually leave us with options to, you know, vote with our feet or change the way that, um, you know, we feel that we impact on farmers. I felt so bad for that cherry farmer. Like just... 
It's like everything, outrageous. you know, the the public health implications of this. This is what food security does in a, in a society, in a community. If you can't access food, fresh food, to be able to feed your family on a large scale, on a community-wide scale, that's going to have implications, public health implications. It's going to have implications for every, you know, aspect of what your life looks like. And so that's why I think it's completely legitimate for the Australian government, for all governments to get into this issue and actually look at how this has been allowed to happen and how to prevent it. Because it is structural and it is connected to this idea of, particularly around things like nutrition and eating well for a good life, there are structural things which are impacting upon your choices to be able to do that. And let's like also think about it specifically from the perspective of black fellas like we have these you know contradictory uh policies contradictory um government action where on one hand you've got the closing the gap initiative where we're trying to get black fellas fit and healthy and living longer but then on the other hand allowing this duopoly to make the purchase of healthy fresh food um you know impossible near impossible it also means that nobody no black fellas are saving right yeah not many people in general i think are putting away the level of savings that they previously have put away um and when we're talking about you know people who don't have the benefit of inherited wealth who are not going to be inheriting a house who don't who can't borrow from the bank of mum and dad um hell they borrow from us <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, what is where are we where's the hope? What kind of a future are we building towards as black fellas if you know, as as dismal as the closing the gap um targets are, it's almost getting to the point where we know what it is that we're supposed to be doing. We just can't afford to do it. We also can't afford to save, so we can't afford a house deposit. Um and instead we're just paying ridiculous rents, ridiculous amounts for utilities and ridiculous amounts for groceries. Like we're talking about the basic essentials of life. We're not talking about any kind of luxuries here. It's a very, you know, and I feel for the younger generation, what they're called, Zs? Yeah. Zs? I mean, they must think it's like just not going to happen. Like what's the point? They'll probably all run away to... Scandinavia, sorry. If they can get their refugees from Australia, well, yeah. black fellas. I mean, the thing that the impact on Aboriginal people and Torres Strait Islander people on this issue is just another example. In every show, we talk about the disproportionate impact upon our people when it comes to these issues because structurally, we do find ourselves geographically, socially, financially, economically always in the last place and so when it comes to being having different options to go shop where we live regionally we live remotely we live in the parts of Sydney where there is no road infrastructure or public transport infrastructure and we are just stuck using the one spot I'm not going to pick on any particular suburb but think of your suburb um and that it just the impact is enormous Mm. and then you don't send your kids to school with lunch or with the right uniform and then somebody calls our friends at the department and hello, child oh, you, protection issues 
raise their head as well. You, you don't you have all, you don't have the school snacks. You don't have the yeah exactly. You can't afford the medication. You can't afford the physio. We talk about physio a lot, but if you can't afford physio, like me, <laughs> you have these long term then health effects that basically affect you for the rest of your life. Like, I I don't see that we're heading in a very good direction. And I think that we need governments to start thinking about, you know, what what is what do we see or hope for this country? What do we consider to be our, our ideals in terms of our way of life? And how can they bring us to that point? Because Absolutely. I think they've completely lost sight of it. Oh, they have, especially because we've got evidence coming in now, the research and the evidence base that says that we do have a food security problem in this country. We have it in some of the most disadvantaged communities in the country and what that means when there are children going to bed hungry in the same way that we see in countries that Australia would never, ever want to compare itself to. Mm. Um, it's... It's pretty serious. Zooming out again a little bit, thinking about our own <laughs> household sacrifices, are there things that in this cost of living um, moment that we're in, you've given up? What have I given up? No, I have given up. So one thing that I really liked, and I know, again, this sounds, you know, I know this is a first world problem, but I really put a lot, like, put a lot of importance on date night as a relationship um, you know, fertilizer, mm-hmm. something to kind of give, maintain your sanity a little bit to stoke the flames of love. Uh, date night doesn't happen anymore. And yep. it, that's a devastating thing to me. Well, I'll have, I'll tell our listeners that you and I used to have a monthly date night we and did. that got sacrificed at least six months ago. G to dinner. G to dinner. And so to hear that Jelly at dinner has also now been sacrificed. That's a damn shame. I know. What about you? It's definitely the going out and enjoying the really nice restaurants and the spots to eat. It's reserved for Tay-Tay now. Yeah. Our favourite spots. Well, we're never going to be able to get into that restaurant again. No. It's like when Nigella came and took away all my good restaurants too. Yeah. But um, I do feel for the hospitality crew in Sydney, particularly those independent local spots that are really trying to make it work and the, you know, the sacrifices that they've had to make and the spots that have closed down because of people not going out anymore. Nobody can afford to go out anymore. I spend a lot of time at home. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone is staying home. Cozzy lives. You're listening to Blacksiders on 2SER, the No Holds Barred Conversation news and current affairs that we feel like talking about. So, Jem, thumbs up for you this week. Oh, I love this segment. Can I just say? We should just do a one episode where it's all thumbs up, thumbs downs. But my thumbs up this week is having both Pink and Taylor Swift in our country at the same time. I know I started off the show complaining about how much I'm sick of the Taylor coverage. But what I really love about it is it is a real... revival I was going to say nostalgic because it is a bit nostalgic for me but a revival of girl power I'm hearing that these concerts massive massive concerts multiple concerts concerts per city uh have like 80 to 90 percent female audience it's a real multi-generational thing now um 
where, you know, all of the Spice Girls fans now have kids that are Pink and Taylor Swift fans and they're all, I don't know what's happening with these the little beads and the... Oh, the friendship bracelets. Yeah, I don't understand where the hell that came from. It's from one of her songs from Midnight. Oh, she knew, knew. I don't get it. Anyway, I don't love the beads. They're not good for the environment. Um, But I love that girl power. I love uh, girls being able to dress up and do whatever they want. And it's, yeah. So that's my thumbs up. Love it. I bought that Tay-Tay donut, obviously. (laughs) Well, my thumbs up is very much in line with our discussion today with the cost of living stuff, but but in particular, billion-dollar profit-making duo. And kind of just thinking about our independent local businesses that listeners might want to throw their support behind and just having a look around in your neighborhood and thinking, you know what, I do want to, if I've got the the conscious dollar that I want to spend differently, I might go and spend my money at this little cafe that I know is local. But, you know, that it's very much a Sydney-centric, city-centric privilege. It's certainly not going to be the case for somewhere where you only have a takeaway perhaps of a large corporation but or if if you're in, in Wilcannia, the uh, petrol station, or the or the petrol station. <laughs> that's right. No, it's definitely sorry, all of for our um, listeners who are outside of the Sydney basin. But um, yeah, if you can shop local and independent, that's my thumbs up for this week. Thumbs down for you. Thumbs down is thumbs down is to you, United States of America for vetoing the UN ceasefire resolution for a third time. Uh, I don't, you know, the with the exception of the Taylor Swift coverage, if your social media is not full of information, footage, photos of what is happening in Palestine and you are not absolutely horrified, um, you know, I, 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 I cannot relate to you whatsoever. The fact that we as, uh, as, you know, as humans are allowing this to continue, I really think this is going to be one of those, you know, situations where you look back on history and say, I cannot believe nobody did anything about this. So um, shame on you, USA. Thumbs down. My thumbs down this week is, is quite petty. I'm going to have to put $10 into the petty jar for this the thumbs petty down. Cash. The petty cash jar. It is the outfits that the Indigenous All-Stars game (laughs) um, wore in the lead up, I think in the days leading up to the game and then on the day. I just not into it. Um, I think I heard it best as they look like they're going on a wine tour. They look like they're dressed to go on a wine tour. It was just not hot. I, I Some of the feedback that I got, because I did a bit of a, I went out and asked some people who I know follow the team and follow the game what they thought and some of the feedback I got included, I don't know why they made them dress like that. Um, that's not, that's people, thumbs it down. It looked like they were extras on the cast of Australia, the movie. <laughs> it's a cosplay. They They were dressed in cowboy hats, tight chino pants, white like linen shirts white. and then they had this necklace with a little boomerang on it yeah it 
it was ridiculous. And I don't know who approved that decision. I mean, we might get cancelled because of this opinion that we have. I don't think. I don't think so. Maybe by look. And I just want to say to be clear, every aspect of the outfit is nice. I actually, individually, individually, but as an ensemble, it looked like a colonial um, workers' kind of uniform. It looked like when you go to an auction to buy a. A heifer, like what you imagine the auctioneer wearing. It looked like there was a lot of R.M. Williams involved. It look, it, they looked like one of those politicians that is from the East Coast who goes on a on visit a remote community and yes. then they don the Akubra and the and the outfit to kind of fit in in air quotes. Yeah, or like they went to Longreach. Yeah, they went to Longreach. Yes, for yes. sure. Winton. <laughs> Okay. Well, thanks for joining us, everybody. We've had an excellent discussion. Lots of ups and downs. It is a bit of a roller coaster, but that's, you know, the cost of living crisis. It is a roller coaster. We'll have to Lucky keep watching. we've got that petty cash. Yeah, petty cash. We have that up our sleeve. <laughs> thanks so much, everybody. Good night, Gem. Bye, Petey.